Hello, all, and welcome to the Relationship Renovation Podcast. I'm Tara Kerwin. And my name is EJ Kerwin. And we're just always grateful for our listeners and for every episode that we do. This is a sort of landmark podcast for us today. This is our 100th episode, wow, Tara. Wow, I can't believe it. I know, isn't that crazy? It's amazing. It's awesome. I've had so much fun doing it. Lots of tears have been shed. It is like our favorite thing to do of the week. We've had such amazing guests on over these 100 episodes. I mean, Tara and I, this has been a great place for us, like as well as a couple to just talk oftentimes about what we've gone through and what we're currently going through. So, you know, thank you all for being a part of our journey. Exactly. I was just going to say, sometimes this is literally like our longest time where we get to talk about each other when we do the podcast about us. Absolutely. We still do our check-ins every day, but those are usually only five to 10 minutes. Yeah. And we are just like so grateful to everybody out there because you're, uh, you're listening and your feedback and we're charting in something like 20 countries I know, now. So it's crazy. Yeah, 100 episodes. Here's to hundreds, hundreds more. more. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. Just keep getting better and better. All right. Before I introduce our guests, I just want to say we, we're using a new service right now. And the, you'll notice in our show notes a link to uh, Gala. And it is a platform where you can get on in on every episode and you can post questions. You can just uh, type in texts. You can also leave voice messages through this. And so if you have questions, if you have insights about the topic that we're talking about, if you have new topics you want us to discuss, whatever it is, you can type those in. But you can also, if you do a voice message with your permission, we can actually put you on one of our podcasts. You could ask a question or make a statement about something. We'll put you into that podcast episode and then we'll answer the questions live. So we're we're really excited and we'd love to hear your voices on the podcast with us. I'm really excited for yeah, this. Yeah, that's cool, right? All right. So again, we're always excited to have new people on the show with their valuable insights. And today is no exception to that. We have Dr. Jolie Hamilton and, and hold on for this. She's got some really, really cool stuff. She is a PhD in Jungian and archetypal psychology. She is a certified sex educator. She's a best-selling author. She's a TEDx speaker. She's a love and relationship expert. And you definitely want to check out her here. She's also the co-host of a podcast, Playing With Fire. And she posts that podcast with her anchor partner, Ken Hamilton. So Welcome, Jolie. Welcome, Jolie. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me and for rolling me in with all those yummy things about myself. I feel all hyped. I'm I'm like ready. Thanks. That was nice. That, yeah. How does that feel when you hear like all those monikers, the things you do? You know, I used to say I took a compliment, like a punch to the groin. And I feel <laughs> like guesting on podcasts has been excellent therapeutic medicine for me. Like, oh, I really did do those things. Yeah, I really am amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's really, really excellent for somebody who grew up thinking that they weren't going to measure up. Right. And I love it when I have people on my own podcast saying all those things. I'm like, wow, yeah. humans are awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, tell us about yourself, Julia. It's always great for our audience to just hear, you know, who are you? How did you come to the place you are currently? And, you know, what are you, what are you doing right now with people? Yeah. Well, you know, how I got here was by way of a lot of mess. And my mess led me to 
find myself um, as the relationship coach for couples who color outside the lines. And what that means is that I spent the last 13 years figuring out how to psychologize my way through really, really almost insurmountable relationship challenges because I didn't want what was exactly the norm. Now I have seven kids and a complicated family and I happen to be non-monogamous. And what I do now is help people who are like, I want my life to fit me. I, right. I, I want my relationship to fit me. So that doesn't necessarily look one way. Mm-hmm. But what I find is that everybody wants the same things. They want to feel loved. They want to feel accepted. And good relationship skills are good relationship skills. So yeah, I do very similar things to what you do. I help people have the relationships they really, really long for and make sure that they understand that that requires some effort and that they're totally up to the task. I love that you really embrace like what it is that each individual or couple wants for themselves. And it's not about making sure they're like in this box of like, here's what I think you need to do. And here's what like a healthy relationship. It's like, you're just helping people kind of navigate what it is that they need in order to build, I guess, emotional safety to have that in their relationship. Because we know that that is the, the core foundation of just being able to feel like loved and accepted for whoever it is that we are. And we are a lot. Yes. Yeah. That is so spot on. It is about learning the skills of creating emotional and psychological safety. And if we do that, then we can lean into um, what I think of as relationships as an individuation journey, as a way to become more and more yourself, rather than to fit into a specific box and do things the way someone told you you were supposed to. And that takes skill building. And I have to say that uh, word individuation, like I just remember that's like one of my favorite words ever. And when I was doing family systems theory and like I was really studying what that really meant, it was like, oh my gosh, we can be whoever it is that we want to be. We just have to make sure we get out of that, like whatever's binding us to whatever that dysfunction was in our early childhood or family. Like we don't have to be in that place with them. But we, you know, I just remember that term was so profound for me and still is. Yeah. It's what led me exactly where I am. I first came across it when I was in eighth grade and I avoided psychology for a while, wandered through other careers. I was a fashion designer and a CrossFit gym owner and found myself needing a way out of messy relationships because those early patterns, like you just said, they were running my whole life. And as I learned how to navigate that, I realized that really my whole life has been calling me this way. I invite messy situations into my life, messy situations like jealousy, like the jealousy inducing situations. And so, yeah, I needed, I needed a path. I needed a way to find my own way toward myself, just like you said. And then being able to support so many others now that you were able to kind of navigate that in a healthy, successful way. And that's awesome. You know, that's like sort of a perfect segue. You know, we, uh, you and I spoke a week or so before we record this podcast today and we sort of narrowed it down to a topic that we really haven't addressed. And what was super appealing about bringing you on is that you're a researcher. Yes. And and the topic we really want to address today is jealousy. And it's something that can just corrupt a relationship and really cause a lot of like personal dis-ease as well, right? So, I mean, can you kind of launch us into that? Maybe talk first about just the research that you've done around the topic of jealousy. Yeah. Well, 
I like to say first that I have over the years become a jealousy enthusiast where most people find that they would do almost anything to never feel jealousy again. I actually have noticed over the course of the last couple of decades that the more I lean toward jealousy with curiosity, the more it has to teach me. So I study it. My research methodology is interpretative phenomenological analysis. And I do that specifically applied to jealousy in the context of both non-monogamous and monogamous relationships. And what that has let me do is start to know and understand what jealousy is, what it's for, why we shouldn't try to cure it or kill it or crush it or excise it from our life, but instead lean toward it to find out why we have this experience. And yeah, it's messy, but jealousy, in fact, is it can be a gateway toward intimacy, but we have to open to that idea. Absolutely. I mean, for me, I like, you know, we're, we're so driven by language, you know, our, that's how we sort of conceptualize the world. Right. And I, I think maybe it's important to first, like, can you define jealousy for us? Like what's sure. the framework that you've created of, of what is jealousy? Yeah. So I picture a triangle on that triangle. There are three points. I am one point. My beloved is another. And then there is a third point. And the third point is my perceived interrupter. This is the person I imagine or who actually is going to interrupt my love bond with my beloved, right? So jealousy is the fear and protective hostility around the idea that my delicious loving connection to an other could be ruptured, could be broken, could be taken away from me. It's like a threat. Yeah. Jealousy, of course, brings up feelings of threat, fear, but it also is this complex emotion. And a complex emotion carries with it a host of other emotions that are unique to the individual and the situation. So jealousy isn't just one thing. It's in fact a cocktail of anger, sadness, grief, anticipatory grief, shame, regret, so many things. So of course, people struggle with it. Mm -hmm. I struggle with it. You know, I'm not immune to jealousy just because I study it. But jealousy really at heart is about that fear that our bond will be interrupted. It's interesting because what you said is like how much, you know, how you've come to embrace it and sort of be okay and learn from it in your own life. But what I see with couples mm-hmm. so much and in individuals with couples is that individuals just do not want to feel that. And yeah. most of the time, jealousy is triggered by an external stimulus. You know, it's something your partner does yeah. or it's another person's interactions with your partner. And so the partner who's feeling that uncomfortable feeling just you know, they come into therapy saying like, basically stop that person from doing that yep. thing that makes me feel this way. And I don't want to feel this way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so get them to stop it and tell them how screwed yep. up it is or whatever that they are doing. That's exactly how it goes. Number one, many people will not even admit that they're feeling jealous, right? It Jealousy, it's a very, very early emotion. Researchers can spot it as young as five or six months old. And so when we think about how we were socialized as children, frequently another sibling comes along and we some of our earliest lessons around jealousy are when a parent or caregiver has to tell us or show us mm. that our needs are not the only ones in the room. And we, because we are in need of our caregiver, we have these emotions that come up that are designed to protect us and keep us tucked in tight to our caregiver. So of course, jealousy can be hard to admit to and hard to feel. And at the same time, jealousy is telling me what I care about. It's telling me that I have 
a care, a desire for this relationship. So it's a great indicator, but the most common response we see to it in adults is that we point our fingers outward and say, you stop doing that. So I have to stop feeling this because I, you have to stop what you're doing, somehow halt it because I can't feel this. I will not feel this. So a lot of blame gets layered on top of jealousy. I, and I have so much compassion, like when I'm working with couples and, and jealousy is a big threat in the relationship because it literally keeps them locked in the state of fear and constant trying to control this external thing that will never make you feel internally okay. And it's like, right. and, and when you don't want to look at it or you can't seem to feel it and you're just trying to constantly get your self-soothing from the external, like it is so hard for them to connect and shift. And so there's a lot of compassion there, but again, like jealousy is a very uncomfortable feeling. And I just have to say, you remind me of, so Dr. Brene Brown, right? She was that researcher on vulnerability, like Dr. Jolie Hamilton, researcher on jealousy, just like vulnerability is a very uncomfortable emotion. So a lot of people don't do it. Jealousy is the same. It's so uncomfortable yet. If you can get curious about it, there's so much to be learned there and there's so much healing to be done. That is so spot on. And I humbly accept your comparison of my work to anything, (laughs) anything like Brene Brown's work. (laughs) But at core, there is a real similarity because we're talking about an emotion that so many of us will go to great lengths Mm -hmm. to not feel or to disown and project onto our partners and say, oh, I'm not jealous, you're jealous. Or to imagine that we're not by using another another set of language. Like a lot of people will say, oh, I'm envious, but I'm not jealous or Mm. anything at all. Because we were frequently taught that jealousy is just not a good look, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't let us deal with it better. And it definitely does not help us mine it for the gold that it has. No. And I have that image of like, I know like our kids just got this like feelings worksheet from school and jealousy was like Mm -hmm. the green, angry, scary looking man. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my heavens on earth, you guys, let me, let me go do a little psychoeducation here. All feelings are okay. That one looks like it's really mean and ugly, but it's actually not. Right. It's trying to help you. Yeah. We have twins. And so there's a lot of jealousy there. Boy, girl, twins, like it is, but it's good. Mm -hmm. It's like, like you said, it's that you care about something in this relationship, but you got to help make them understand what that is. And if they, again, they're already getting from the external environment, jealousy is bad. That's the green monster. That's angry. Right. Oh, I mean, Yeah. yeah. So if you're saying like, okay here's this uncomfortable emotion that you've been told and you just instinctually mm-hmm. you know, have formulated an opinion that it's a bad emotion, avoid it or get somebody to stop doing the things that make it happen. How do you mm-hmm. help people begin to reframe the feeling of jealousy? Yeah. So the first thing that I actually ask people to do is to start sorting it because jealousy, most of us are using the word to hold way too many feelings. Like we're at, we ask jealousy to hold a lot. So one of the first things I'll do is start peeling away, for instance, jealousy versus envy, because we use those words often interchangeably and they start to lose meaning. And when our emotional words lose meaning, we lose the capacity to connect richly to others. So I will encourage people to notice, are you in a state of fear that a love bond will be broken by someone interrupting it? Or Are you longing to be what someone else is or have what they have? Mm. Because that's envy. Mm -hmm. And the reason this matters is because envy is often inside jealousy. 
Envy can be one of its constituent emotions. And so let's say you, you're in that fear state. You're afraid your bond is going to be ruptured. And you either see or you imagine this third, this interrupter, as being better than you. Now we have new layers of, well, awareness, if we choose to bring it, to what the work really is. Because if I'm feeling insecure because I'm comparing myself to another, now I could start unpacking my envy and start seeing what parts of that are useful and which parts are really, really unuseful and really need to be worked through in my own self-worth work. Hmm. And once I do that, I can start to notice the difference between when I'm fearing an interruption versus when I am comparing myself to others. And just starting to do that can help us create a little space and a little self-compassion. And the research tells us that people who have deep self-compassion struggle a little less with jealousy. So this is one of the directions I help people move in. I love that. It, it gives like a different, a curiosity because it shifts it. It like gives it structure almost like, because envy is like, it's so separate from that fear that's keeping us locked in and then being able to say, right. yeah, it, it helps you, I guess, clarify. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Well, I, I think it's part of a greater sort of concept that, you know, a lot, a lot of what we do, and especially in the early stages of working with a couple is helping them create vulnerability through discovering their own emotions yeah. and then being able to have a language to to share it with one another. And one of the big teaching points I think for couples is the fact that emotions they're information, you know, right. and if you stop looking at them as things you want to either grasp onto or absolutely avoid and start seeing them instead as like as indicators and and really you know great road marks in your growth as an individual and your growth as as a couple. Right. And that is that's the number one thing that came out like that was the first thing that popped to the surface in my research studies was jealousy is information, but we disown it even the APA the way that they define jealousy is they write right off the bat, a negative emotion. Mm. Wait, 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 wait. We don't say that about anger. They do not start off the definition of anger as a negative emotion. In fact, they specifically outline that it is an emotion that can be quite productive and should be should be embraced as information. Mm. Like jealousy has gotten this bad rap. Yeah. And as we unpack that in relationships, often what, what I find is there are deep vulnerability areas where people could start leaning into their partner and making themselves more visible. They yeah. could really allow themselves to be seen as having needs, wants, and desires, and even starting to understand where their partners are holding space for their older, um, you know, deeply buried parental complexes, mm -hmm. where they haven't done some of their really early pre-verbal, you know, growth. Mm -hmm. But jealousy is a window there because it's one of those early pre-verbal emotions that yeah. we then really never come back to until we're in a romantic relationship. Yeah. I don't know if this like kind of draws back onto your Jungian background, but like as we we're talking about it and you were, and you were saying that, you know, the APA defines it as a negative emotion. I thought of, you know, Othello, yes. a Shakespearean character where, you know, his jealousy, which was totally unfounded, led to such yes. a horrible outcome. You know, he ended up like, he basically ends up killing his, his own, his own wife. And that's, and, yeah. and that's, that is the sort of the archetype that we've been sort of, we've learned about jealousy is the, the expression of jealousy has a potential to be incredibly destructive in, in subtle and, like, right. you know, really horrible ways. 
Right. And it's been layered on, if you look back at the mythology, and this is where I started my work, because I study jealousy actually from an archetypal perspective. So if you look at mythology all around the world, everywhere, you'll see stories of jealousy. You will see jealousy and envy woven into all of our great literature, all of our mythology. I mean, you can't even have Greek mythology without massive amounts of jealousy and rage, (laughs) right? So of course, it you know, from my perspective as a depth psychologist, I look and say, oh, um, so this is eternal. We're taught we're tapping into the collective at this point. And so if we try to avoid it, or we try to, if we just push it away and say, when I feel jealous, it's because of somebody else's actions, I am missing the fact that this is actually one of my most profoundly human experiences. Mm-hmm. And I have found that if I notice it that way, and I think about how you know Shakespeare wrote about it, and yeah, <laughs> it's been written about for thousands and thousands of years, it puts into perspective the fact that what I'm experiencing is completely normal. There is nothing abnormal about feeling jealousy, but a lot of our research has harped on a little bit mm. the idea that jealousy is going to play out in certain ways, especially due to our gender, right? And that I find to be problematic because then we get into seeing scenarios where people imagine that, yes, jealousy is normal and acting out on jealousy is also normal. Is also normal. But, mm. Yeah, but we don't like allow that for anger. We don't say like, well, anger is normal. And so if you get into a rage fit and you kill someone, it's okay. But we yeah. do when it's jealousy. Why? We we have not had a cultural reckoning with this emotion. Absolutely yet. not. I would agree with that 100%. I mean, do you think it is that sort of like, you know, just how short the distance is between feelings of jealousy and really, you know, destructive communication and really destructive actions? Do you think do you think that's the basis of it? Well, you know, there's some great research um, on communicative responses that points out that destructive language patterns or the way that we speak to our partners when jealousy is present has a lot to do with how jealousy plays out. Like really it has almost everything to do. So yeah, a lot of what I do is work on just asking people to... Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Accept their jealousy and remember that it belongs to them. If I feel jealous, and I still do, I mean, here I am in a non-monogamous relationship. So obviously I invite jealousy in through the front door. Mm -hmm. So if I feel jealousy and I own it myself and I say, oh, I, I am experiencing jealousy. Okay. That doesn't mean I'm bad if I can first do that. And then I can downshift another layer and say, what's going on inside my jealousy? What am I, am I afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. What am I afraid of? And I start to unpack the emotions. I use all the tools that I have for other emotions, like fear, like anger, like sadness, which I have tools for. If I start doing that, then my partner does not have to carry the load of my jealousy. Because here's the thing, many of us are married to or deeply involved with people who are not intending to make us jealous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we ask them to hold that, really, we're not able to do the unpacking that would be so valuable for yeah. us. Yeah. It's a very disempowering thing to say, you make me jealous. That said, of course, there's behaviors that, that need to be addressed. Sure. I mean, I think, Tara, can I share something from, from our relationship that I think relates a lot to this and how, and, and something I like sort of work through that's around jealousy? Is that okay? Uh, I, I'm going to say yes. Go okay. ahead. All right. All right. So, I'm curious. So, Tara has an ex boyfriend that she had a great relationship with, right? And we've talked about him a lot over the years. And forever, I felt, and I didn't even know I was jealous. Like I always, you know, sort of like pushed it back on her internally. I probably didn't mm-hmm. always say it because I'm that's that's one of my struggles. Um, and I pushed it back on 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 her. But really, what I was jealous, and now as you kind of bifurcate jealousy and and envy, I was envious of aspects of their relationship. Right. I was because she would describe it in a way and it would and sort of when she would describe it to me, it was it was things that maybe was lacking in our relationship. And a year or two ago, I I made the conscious effort instead of focusing on why does she talk about this? Why did you know, instead of just making it external, I started to look at it like, well, there's definitely aspects of her relationship with him that she really craves and are really important to her. And if instead of getting caught up into the past, I can look at that as just like information of like, hey, if I really work on things that will maybe generate that experience between the two of us, that actually I can gain something from this information. But I spent a lot of time Mm -hmm. jealous and envious and like you said, comparing, you know, comparing myself to somebody I've never even freaking met, you know? But Brilliant. it was life change. It was it was relationship changing. I think, at least for me, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much Tara's been aware of it or not aware of it. But I, it completely changed my relationship with that information. I love this so very much, EJ. I love it because that's the move. The like when you started to notice the part of it that was yours, 
and you start really allowing yourself to see how complicated it is, you owned the one actionable step you had, which was to say, oh, it's showing me what I want. Envy is a pain in the ass, but she's an <laughs> honest pain in the ass. She'll tell you what you want. Um, and frequently what I see is people who've been in decades-long habits of pushing that away. If if my partner had this amazing thing with someone else, I want to not look at that. Um, retroactive jealousy and envy are a real thing too. You know, we, we don't even have to know that partner to have it come back and haunt us. And the bold and brilliant move to make is to say, it's showing me something. And that something is mine. I do not need to wait for my partner to get on board. They don't need to agree with me about what this feeling is. All I need to do to start is notice where I'm feeling this jealousy or envy, sort them out if you can, and then deal with the action that you could actually take. So if it's, in your case, longing and comparison, awesome. Uh, Longing and comparison can be fantastic motivators Mm -hmm. if used well, or they can be completely destructive and destroy your self-worth. So that's the kind of information I want to take to my therapist, my coach, like wherever I'm going for support and say, ah, I know something I want. (laughs) Great. Because now we get to move towards something instead of just moving away from something. And that's a great human trick of motivation. Well, and then I also think it, because when jealousy is felt and it's not processed in healthy ways and that the partner who's kind of the recipient of the jealousy is defensive and triggered and feels threatened too. And it's just like this cycle that does not allow for emotional safety. And I can just see how it just would escalate over time, building resentment. And and, and even though EJ, he hasn't really, like he kind of did this work on his own. Like I'm sitting here like, oh, he hasn't really, like I knew he would get perturbed when I would talk about my ex And it was only because, you know, this ex was really profound in like accepting me for the first time, like being in a love relationship where someone actually accepted me and I didn't have to be anybody but me. So that piece was important. But I recognize now, like when we talk about just what it is that we want or love, or if I'm like, you know, kind of going back and talking about past relationships that like, it actually feels really safe now. Mm-hmm. but we never had that conversation really around it. But well, what do you notice with couples when they start to shift from like this threat to more curiosity and then being yeah. able to like handle it and navigate it better together? This is my my favorite thing that has turned up from the research. It's that people who deal successfully with jealousy, they have meta conversations about jealousy. So in yeah. their relationship, They've created enough emotional safety so that they can talk about talking about jealousy. Right. They can talk about talking about envy. And that helps them walk toward being able to vulnerably open up to the actual experience. So now if I've talked about talking about jealousy, now I have equipped us with a sort of baseline barometer of like, what does jealousy mean to me? And what do I think its role is in a relationship? And Just welcoming jealousy in that much and saying, we can talk about this. This is just one of many emotions. It's welcome in our relational space. And then we'll we'll work with the messes that it creates. We'll work with them together. All of a sudden, we've made this field for Mm -hmm. jealousy, for all of the archetypal ways jealousy can play out, like whether it's violent or whether it is self-destructive 
or whether it is incredibly relationally destructive, we now can start talking about how we actually feel when jealousy comes up. And we can start to notice that usually partners don't feel it the same way because every emotion is in relation, in relationships, right? Everything's relative. If I'm the low jealousy partner, like if I don't have a, a big bit of jealousy, my partner having any jealousy will look like they're very jealous, mm-hmm. right? So we can just start to create space for the fact that there's always going to be someone who's mm-hmm. who's the the high jealousy person, someone who's the low jealousy person. Yeah. And now we can start to talk about it. And that's where we can really gain a lot more information about not only who our partner is, but also what we both want in the relationship and what really does create safety because it's not just one thing. There isn't some set of rules, right? Nothing protects you from jealousy. Monogamy doesn't, non-monogamy doesn't, nothing will. We just have to create safety for it to exist. And what I've found too, is that like when you kind of strip off all the layers and you really get under it, it's like, we just don't want to feel rejected or we really want to feel like that one person is like our person. And, but we don't know how to say that because that's really vulnerable. And, and I just remember EJ and I had this thing, like he'd always be on his phone and I'd look at that phone and I'm like, Oh, I hate that fucking phone. Like he'd have it in the bathroom with him. He'd have it when he first would wake up. And, and I just kept being like, I would just judge him like, God, why do you always have to have, like that thing is a part of you. It's like a third hand and a third leg, whatever it is. And then it was, it was really, you know, it's kind of becoming like a threat in our relationship, but I didn't know it at the time. I just thought he was like, you know, a screen hog or something. But then when I really like looked at it, it was like, oh my God, I just want more attention from EJ. <laughs> like I'm jealous of his phone. Like I am jealous yes. of the phone time he is doing. And when I was able to say that in a vulnerable way, instead of nagging him to get off the phone or looking at him and rolling my eyes, I can now just say, hey, honey, it would be really important just for like you and me right now. Would you mind putting away your phone? And he's like, absolutely, sweetie. But we, it, it took some time and understanding and processing to get there. Yeah, well, and and that's so interesting because that that flip side of jealousy of the person who's not jealous, but the other person is feeling jealousy about, if it's expressed in the right way, I love what you said at the very beginning, jealousy tells me what I care about. And I will say like, Tara is... N- I guess more so jealous of like things like the phone or my attention going elsewhere. But when she expresses it in a way that, that, that lets me know that really she wants my attention or when those kind of more rare times where there is a little bit of jealousy about, you know, maybe attention I'm getting from somebody else, it makes me actually feel really good because it's like, Oh, like she cares. (laughs) Like, like she, she sees that I'm a value to her, you know, like because she's not the high jealousy person, Whenever she expresses her jealousy, I actually like it because I'm like, oh, well, maybe, you know, like, wow. Right. She, I am important to her. I am important to her. Like, I do matter, you know. You're bringing up such a good point because the thing we haven't talked about is what it feels like to be on those other sides. And I see plenty of people who come to me and they're like, I'm really upset. Why? Uh, my partner's never jealous. Our cultural story tells us that jealousy is part of the proof of love we need to collect right? So it is a really, really tricky emotion, right? So there's a dosage issue. Like, so somebody saying, I'm feeling jealousy about your phone might feel like the right dosage, it might feel good. But somebody saying, I feel jealous of you having any other contact with any person. Well, there's like, there's too much. 
whenever we're talking about jealousy, we really do have to be aware of the all three points on the triangle because the beloved can feel both good or really bad. They might feel really blamed. And the, the perceived interrupter is a real person too, because frequently the person who we, we see as the, the interrupter, they're not mm-hmm. always doing that. Jealousy is so crafty. It can, we can imagine a third into being where there isn't. And so if in that perspective, we have to think about Hera in the Greek myths and think about how, I mean, she struck down every third and she never turned towards Zeus and said, um, I think we need to work on our relationship, honey. <laughs> I'm just going to kill everybody who gets in my I'm just going to kill everybody. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just doing that. Well, so, I mean, that's kind of a, you know, a <laughs> little bit like a humorous way to approach this. But I always think because we, we do have a broad audience and we don't always know who all is listening. So I, I think it might also be important to discuss this a bit and and clarify, like, there's this healthy jealousy you're talking about, but then there's also possessiveness, mm-hmm. emotional control, mm-hmm. abusive behavior, right? Like, like I, I think it's important. Are you comfortable addressing that at all, Jolie? I am. I think one of the things I have been taking really seriously is nobody's been cheerleading jealousy. So I, I take that role on. And it is incredibly important to notice that, um, as I said earlier, jealousy is one of the very few emotions that people will make big excuses for violence, mm. for violent behavior. Jealousy, um, I read a study recently that said about two-thirds of domestic violence can be traced back to some perceived instance of jealousy. Mm. And it's important to say perceived because nothing has to be going on right. for someone to feel jealous. So obviously we have a problem. That's the elephant in the room when jealousy comes up because the number one emotion named when people start to break their jealousy apart, the number one emotion named is anger. Right behind anger is rage. Mm. Right behind rage can be violence. So if we have an emotion like jealousy that has been used to justify everything up to and including homicide and grievous bodily harm, we have to be very careful about walking a tight line in normalizing jealousy while holding each of us mm-hmm. to an intense personal responsibility that jealousy, every single time it comes up, even if it is provoked, you are still responsible for your actions in response yeah. to jealousy. And the forensic data shows us that that is not what's happening. Yeah. Violence happens when jealousy comes up. So personal responsibility of our emotions, of doing our work and of seeking help. And then for all of us who are helping to be equipped and ready to hear where jealousy is showing up and say, oh, I better not shove this back into the corners because it's serious. Jealousy will be reckoned with one way or another. I love what you said that that you are responsible for the behaviors that are a result of your jealousy. And that's a that's yeah. an individual issue and that's that's one of the things that you know we hold a very hard line with the couples that we work with in our center is that if there is any domestic violence mm-hmm. in the relationship that is not a relationship issue. That is a that is right. an individual issue. And relationship counseling oftentimes brings up these really intense emotions. And if you don't have the self-regulation and if you don't have the healthy coping skills, 
to deal with those heightened emotions, you don't belong in couples therapy yet. You know, you have to go out and get treatment and understand. Be willing to. Yeah, and be willing to take responsibility for your actions and and be able right. to regulate and be able to find healthy ways to to express uncomfortable feelings before you can deal with it in in the couples environment. Absolutely. Yeah, what an important thing. If imagine if each of us understood that jealousy was an invitation to our individual work. And this is why so I think of mm. myself as an individuation oriented psychologist. So this is that's the direction I'm going. That is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but I I noticed that when I work with people who are already partnered, we practice habits of enmeshment and making each other responsible for our emotions. So yeah, that first step, what what you just said, AJ, it's we have to start reclaiming all of our stuff and give ourselves the skills because if you're dysregulated, of course, jealousy is going to cause a bigger problem. And, you know, so I use neurosomatic intelligence to help people work through jealousy because it is so unique. You have to figure out how your own nervous system operates so that you can self-regulate around feelings of jealousy. Because I don't know about you, but I would not want to see a toddler's behavior acted out in an adult relationship without regulation skills. Right. But we see it all the time. Oh, yeah. All the time. I've done it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think this is a, a great segue. I mean, I think we did a did a, a good job of touching this subject in a really, you know, more in-depth way than most people look at it. Um, I want to give you the opportunity, Jolie, to talk about like, you know, what is the work you're doing with people? If this is something that people are really connecting with and they just, they want to plug into you more, whether it's, you know, in a media sense or in a, in a working directly with you, could you just, you know, give our audience a little bit about, about, you know, what you're doing and, and how they can connect with you? Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, well, there are two really great ways to have more access to my work. One is to simply follow me on TikTok or Instagram, where I talk about jealousy regularly. You can find me at Dr. Jolie underscore Hamilton, D-R-J-O-L-I underscore Hamilton, like the musical. Yep. So that way, if you're just looking like, hey, I think I need to hear about jealousy more, do that. And I, I do work with people on this individuation work. And one of the groups of people who find this work most helpful, they're people who they know they have relational stuff to work through and they're not yet prepared to fully be themselves. And so I work with people. If anybody's interested, they can go to talktojolie.com and there's an application to find out more about my work there. I think it's also important to offer this resource because there's, there's not a ton of resources mm -hmm. for if there are couples who are exploring polyamory, that that's an area of expertise for you as well. It is. And, you know, I work, I actually do that work both in group and in private. And my favorite thing about that is that I don't have a prescription. I am not here to convert anyone from monogamy to polyamory. I'm just not interested. I like people to feel supported if they want to do something that's not fitting into that monogamous box and to do it honestly and do it really with a lot of skill. So if people are curious about that, then the best thing to do is to go to my quiz, which I designed out of my research. And it helps people understand whether they are a hell yes, a hell no, or somewhere in between about checking out non-monogamy. Because you don't want to do that without some guidance and support. And there's a lot of support available if you know where to look. So people can go to joliequiz.com if they're interested in that. 
we will definitely place in our show notes, everybody, um, all of these links yeah. to Julie, uh, so you can you can plug right to her through our show notes. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much, Julie, for jumping on. I love it. You know, it's it's all amazing the work that you're we've doing, done. Yeah, you know, a hundred episodes and jealousy, which is such that, a pervasive. It's so huge. Yeah, it's 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 out there. And just giving us the opportunity to dig into it, uh, you know, was was super useful. So thank you so and much. Isn't it interesting? We've had over a hundred episodes, and we have never once talked about jealousy. I know. It. I'm yeah. just like, wow, my mind is blown that we haven't, because it is like literally such a thread that can be so devastating to so many relationships. Yet, if you kind of start to shift it and and look at Dr. Jolie's work and being more curious around this, that it can do wonders in, in individual and relationship growth. And so thank you for your research, your jealousy research. Thank you. Thank you. Like you said, that not a lot of people are doing it. Thank you for taking on that task. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to invite the shadows to live close to you like this, but I am truly honored to hold space for jealousy. All right. Well, thank you once again to our audience. You know, we, we love you and we are so appreciative of your listening and your feedback. And we have, again, this great new tool in each episode's show notes to link, to write us messages, but also share your own voice and be on our podcast. So please click that and, and share with us and guide us in the work we do with you. Please share our podcast and Jolie's. Check out Jolie's playing with Jolie's fire. podcast, playing with fire. But you know, tell a friend, tell a family member. We all can make our relationship better. You know, uh, give us a review. We we appreciate that. It, it really helps us get this word out and make individuals, couples, families, uh, you know, communities better. You know, that's that's at the heart of the work we do is making this world a, a better place. I know. And I was just, as we were, you know, talking with Dr. Jolie and just sitting across from you, just like knowing, like always getting to know these amazing people and researchers that are doing all of this work because of their own, our own bloodshed mm -hmm. in our life. Like it just makes me feel so freaking grateful that we are able to do what we do and learn and know the people we know now. And, and so thank you. And thank you again, Dr. Jolie, like so excited to have you on. I'm sure we'll have you back on for even more in-depth discussions of jealousy. Thank you so much. And as always, take care of yourself, take care of each other. You deserve it. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Me and you just singing on the train. Me and you listening to the rain. Me and you, we are the When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.